Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. So before I introduce my guest, I just want to tell you some of the stuff that I've been watching this week that I recommend. I dove right into season two of Dead to Me, which is the Christina Applegate, Linda Cardellini Netflix series. I love this show. It's a scripted show. And yeah, I binged it in like two days. It's so good. It's, you know, maybe not quite as good as season one, but it holds up and the acting is wonderful. I just think the way that they deal with the themes of grief and friendship is just bar none. So good. I also downloaded Quibi finally, and I'm really glad I did. There's some really good content on there. I got into this documentary series called Run the City, which is from Mark Wahlberg's company. And it's a doc that basically they broke into 10 episodes, which works really well. And it's about this young mayor of a, a town in Massachusetts called Fall River. And he's basically a criminal, um, if you believe the charges against him and kind of how he deals with all of that. It's very interesting and kind of like a prism into a small town and small town politics. Recommend it. And lastly, I did see the Michelle Obama documentary on Netflix, which I loved. Um, it was really well done. I, my only critique is I wish that they had dove into more like what her accomplishments were when she was in the White House. Um, and as a young lawyer, I felt like it didn't, it focused, it was more like a personal portrait, less than a professional one. I wish they had mixed it more like Hillary, but I understand this was just a one and a half hour doc versus like a four parter. So maybe she'll have a more comprehensive one later in her life. I'm sure she will. She is really just an amazing woman. We miss her and her husband so much. Okay. So today on the podcast, Evelyn Brooks. Evelyn is an award-winning TV showrunner and experiential events producer. She's worked for major networks and for major syndicators. Evelyn's taken all her skills as a producer, turned into an entrepreneur. She does these inspiring events for corporation and small groups alike. So we talk about what all that actually means so you'll understand what she has done. We also talk about her new podcast, Built by a Boss, where she interviews other female entrepreneurs about how they started their business. Okay, so here I am with Evelyn Brooks. Hi, Evelyn. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good as well as can be expected. We're in the middle of a pandemic, so we're yeah. all just taking it one day at a time. <laughs> so you're in New York. Explain how you got there because you're normally based here in L.A., right? Yeah, I'm normally in L.A., so it, it's actually an exciting reason that has nothing to do with COVID. Um, my niece, uh, she was having a baby. And my plan was to come here and kind of be with her when that happened. And then the baby came early and then COVID happened. So I'm just like, okay, well, this is a great way to kind of stay here, hang out and, you know, enjoy this new moment. It's so nice. Are you staying with them? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So you're like um, a new mom, basically, without being a new mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a yeah, crash you know, course. The great thing about being an auntie, though, is that you, you can leave. You still get a good night's sleep, don't you? Huh? You still get a good night's sleep? I can still sleep. Absolutely. I love but it. She's, so, she's really like a good baby. So, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, this is why I'm here. Yeah, that's so sweet. So I know you were, so the, the backstory on us trying to do this is that I asked you to come on a couple months ago. We had set up a time for L.A., 
And then, of course, the pandemic hit and we couldn't do it. But I still wanted you to come on. Um, but you normally are here, but you had also been traveling a lot, I guess, for work, right? Yeah. So um, I've been traveling a lot, doing experiential events. Um, and that's kind of something that I kind of folded into my background as a TV producer. And so it was awesome because I do a lot of events. I, I've done them for Facebook and Instagram. And um, I was on my way to do one. Uh, it was for YouTube. And then it was just kind of like all of a sudden this whole thing happens. And, you know, now we're all like trying to kind of reboot, reschedule, revamp, all that good stuff. Yes. All of the above. I want, we're going to dive into all of this experiential stuff you speak of. Um, but I realized that I usually always start with saying how I know my guest. And I'm not sure if you remember that you ended up taking my position in Philly for, um, design invasion, which was a syndicated show that Banyan productions was doing back in the day. And we kind of were like two ships sailing in the night because I was yeah. leaving and you were coming in to replace me. And I think we had like a week or so, <laughs> yeah yeah that's probably I the last time that. I saw you that was like 2004 or five oh, maybe oh my god yeah and I was thinking about that too before we started I was like well when was the last time we actually laid eyes on each other and I think it was actually when we met at Isn't that crazy that was such an amazing time I, I really first of all I I'm glad that I had a chance to to work in Philadelphia because I it, it's such a great city it is. And um, and it, a funny story, I had no idea really, you know, how I was going to live there. Remember that? Because everybody lived in New York. <laughs> yeah. Where were, was, were you in New York at the time? Yes, I was in New York okay. at the time. So here's what happened. I actually um, hired two producers, um, two, two field producers, and I knew them. So they were, you know, familiar and we all got together and rented a house. That's awesome. Where was the house? It was, you know, it was, I think it might've been on Walnut. There were a lot of like Oak Street, Walnut, those <laughs> yes. kind of streets. Really, Pine, I can't Walnut, Pine, Chestnut. Yeah, a lot of three streets. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was one of those. And, That's um, fun. It was fun. It was a great experience. And I was out in the field. You know, I still love, you know, the, the field is everything. So we were out there, you know, making houses. <laughs> yeah. And it was, I remember it was such a crazy shoot schedule. There were so many episodes and it was like a full reno show. So it was pretty intense. Yeah. yeah it, it was, uh, well, you know, the fun part though, that I always loved, even though, you know, it took, it was a long day because there were a lot of, we had different designers and they came in. It was really just one room, but they, they had to do it in 12 hours. Right. So that's right. Okay. Right. Super, super crazy. But then what I loved, the people, they were just so blown away when they would come into that room. And that just, you know, you were tired, but you just brought it all together when the people would walk into the house and see the room. That is the best part about those shows, because it is a genuine reaction and you really have changed someone's life in a small way. It's nice. Absolutely. Okay. So I... You know, I'm guilty of having a terrible memory anyway, but again, it has been a long time since we've connected other than, you know, Facebook and some emails. Tell me what your background was before you got to Banyan. So I don't really know. I know you were producing, obviously, but but give me a background, you know, like where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to yeah. school? Let's get the deep Evelyn deep dive. The deep dive. 
So I am originally from Ohio. Um, I grew up um, in Cleveland Heights, which is close to Shaker Heights. If you if you've been watching Little Fires Everywhere, like that's right. That's, I totally, that's like my, those are my people, right? Um, uh, Shaker Heights was a rival of my high school, Cleveland Heights. So mm. I've been watching that, you know, like ugh, just religiously. So I'm, I've, I've seen every episode. Me but too. So I, Loved it. So that gives you an idea of what my life was kind of growing up. Um, and, you know, I always loved writing. Um, I was one of those kids who loved to read, like when I was supposed to be in the bed, I was like reading with a flashlight, that type of thing. So when I was growing up, I knew I wanted to write. I wanted to do something kind of in the creative field. And I didn't know that it would be television. Um, I started as the editor of my newspaper. And then I met this professor and I'll never forget him. His name was Jay Wan Lee. And he was a journalism professor. And he kind of, he took me under his wing. And I, I really started to love like the idea of being like a journalist. And so I, I did all these, um, I had internships, um, one at ABC in Cleveland and I had one at NBC. And um, I used to go out with the photographers and shoot stand-ups and, you know, I like, put my take together in like six months yes, and I got my first job. Now. <laughs> literally on air. I was in Toledo, Ohio on air. That's that was a pretty my good favorite. market to start. Yeah, it was, well, Toledo, I think was the 65th market. So, you know, wow, that was impressive. But, um, but I came from after it's funny, after I graduated, I, my first job was a news desk assistant. And so that's how, and, and Cleveland was like the 15th market at that time. Right. So it's kind of like I was working there um, in the 15th, but my first real job was in Toledo in the 20th market. So I literally, um, you know, I was covering like murders and fires and politics and, you know, standing in the rain in a rowboat with a skirt on and boots covering floods, like all of that type of thing. And, um, I, I did this special. I went and asked my news director and I said, Hey, you know, there was a lot of gang violence going on in the, 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 the city. And I said, I wanted to do like a special and bring like, you know, parents and kids and teachers and, and, you know, gangbangers, like bring everybody to talk about it. And it was just like, oh, this is cool. Like, I really felt like I was able to have an impact. And I think that was when the idea of becoming a producer kind of started to resonate for me because it wasn't something I ever really thought about, mm. but I saw the impact that you could have. And from then on, you know, I, uh, this is really wild how I even got to New York, but I literally, uh, my cousin, she lived in New York and she was going to the new school for acting. And we would talk on the phone and everything. And I'm like, I'm coming to New York because I always wanted to live in a brownstone, like Spike <laughs> right? So I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I'm just like, that's where I need to be. Those are my people. So she was in New York and she was living in Park Slope. And literally, um, I, had been, I had been there about four years. And my mom passed away, like around the fourth year I was there. Oh, and so I was just like, you know what? I need a, I need a break. I need a moment. So I How literally. How old were you? 
Oh my God. I had to be like 25, maybe like pretty young, 20. Yeah. Like, cause that was my first job. So literally like right out of college, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, um, so the fun part of it is that I was like, okay, I'm coming to New York. That's what I tell my cousin. And she's like, okay, sure. I, I put everything in storage. I had a Honda Civic or something like that. Two of my girlfriends, we drove to New York, like literally drove like eight hours or whatever it was. And I showed up on my cousin's doorstep and she was just like, oh, <laughs> I guess you're doing this. <laughs> okay. This is happening. Wow. And, um, so yeah, so no so job. I, no, I had, I had no plan. $700 right. to be honest. Well, you were I rich. Had, <laughs> yeah. But in comparison to what a reporter made in that market. Exactly. I, I, but literally I had $700 mm. and I, so I slept on her sofa and I was just like, you know what? If I can tell a story in a minute 30, I can tell a story in, in 30 minutes or whatever. Um, so I slept on her sofa um, for seven months. And um, my first job was, uh, what was my first job? My first job was doing promos. For who? King World. Right. Okay. King World Productions. Remember King World? Yeah. I mean, they do Inside but, Edition and a bunch of yeah, other syndicated shows. Yeah. So, um, and that's really how I got that job because I knew that uh, if I could tell a story in a minute 30, I could tell it in 30 seconds. I could tell it in five minutes. I could tell it in a half an hour or whatever. And the great thing about doing promos is that you did. You had to tell, you had to tell a story in 15 seconds, 30 seconds, you know, a minute or whatever. And, um, but I still, I wasn't in production yet. I wasn't like producing. And so, um, so I, I did that position and then I'm not, oh, I, I was trying to figure out how did I, how did I get to the production side, the show, the studio side? I used to go to a lot of mixers and they had, there was a New York women in film and television mixer mm -hmm. I went to and I saw Mary Duffy. And Mary Duffy was like the queen of talk at that time. Right. Okay. Right? Yeah. And she loved news people because you you had to find like these crazy stories to get the people there in the middle of the night and keep them on a plane <laughs> yeah. and all of that. And um, so I had that news background and that that's literally how I got my first job, you know, working on talk in, in you know, a studio setting. And what show was it? Uh, that Montel Williams. That was Montel. And is that where you met Andrew Scher? Um, where did I meet? No, Andrew Scher and I met at Queen Latifah. Yeah. So just so people know why I brought up Andrew. Andrew was uh, my boss and then Evelyn's boss on the Banyan show we were talking about. So Absolutely. yeah, I knew that he had worked with you before and he is like the king of that world. Yeah, well, it's interesting because um, I feel like I've, Andrew and I worked together on so many shows and I know that he is the person that recommended me to come to Banyan because, you know, well, and it's funny, when we were at uh, Latifah, we were both senior producers. There were like four of us that were senior producers at the time. And it was kind of like this battle royal to see like who's going to like last. It was crazy. But um, so wait, I want a little bit more dirt. Give me one good juicy tidbit from the from the Queen days. 
Oh my God. Where do you start? Oh my God. Um, was she a good boss? You know what? Yes, she was. I think, and, and here's something interesting. She is the per, she's the reason why I always wanted to become an entrepreneur. She, she had a lot to do with that because I really liked the way she was able to do everything that she was good at. You know, she was an actress, she was a musician, she was a rapper, a singer, a talk show host. And she, she really is so talented. My God. Yeah. When you lay it all out like that, yeah. we kind of underestimate. I mean, I love her, but but yeah, I don't think people realize just how talented she is. Multi-talented. Yeah, and such a great businesswoman. Right. And um, so did you call yeah. her Dana? Um, well, behind closed doors, <laughs> you could call her Dana. Um, but most people called her Queen or Queen Latifah. Um, but she was just really cool. Um, you know, it, it, it's that show was really great because what I loved about talk is that you spend so much time with everybody. Right. <laughs> the hours were really long. And, but so many people that I met them, you know, you're literally still friends today. You know what I mean? Like you really built relationships because you spent so much time together. Um, But the hours were long and we used to literally like close the office door and take turns like sleeping under our desk. Like, (laughs) seriously, that's how, that's, that's how often we were there. So was that. I know that's typical in talk shows in general, but was that particularly a tough show like compared to other talk shows that you had done? Well, you know what? That was really the first talk show, um, you know, on that level that I had done where I had, um, where I wasn't a supervisory type of role. Got it. Um, Because from there, from, um, it's interesting from, promos, I actually went to MTV. And so that was more field and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of along the same lines as what I did as a reporter, you know what I mean? You went out in the field and, and we interviewed people. So it wasn't a real stretch. Which department? I'm sorry. Which department were you working for at MTV? So at MTV, well, it's, I was actually, it wasn't so much a department because you know how they would bring a show in. So I worked with Ed Connolly on the show called Fanatic. I remember Fanatic. That was huge. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So I worked with him and that's how I went to Queen Latifah because he got a job um, as an EP there. And he asked me, did I want to go to Queen Latifah? I was like, yes, you and I why? Yes. So I went and that's how I got to Queen Latifah. And then I got promoted to senior producer when I was there. So it was really my second talk show. Wow. And so then you were on the talk track before you got to Philly, right? And that was kind of an, that was a syndicated show. So it was kind of an extension of the work that you had been doing. What happened after the Banyan gig? So after Banyan, this was a dream come true because like I was always trying to figure out how I was going to get to New York. I was trying to figure out how I was going to get to LA. <laughs> the next plan. Yeah. And you know, that was like the trajectory. It's like, I'm going to LA, I'm going to New York, but how am I going to get there? 
So I was at Banyan and I was just like, you know what? I want to get to, uh, I want to get to LA. I need an agent. And I just started writing letters to people, like sending them my reel, sending them my resume. And I got an agent. It was Headline Media. That was my agent at the time. And they represented um, Meredith Vieira, like lots of news people. So it was kind of like a great way for me to kind of, they represented me based on news, but then, you know, the television and all of that. And what was great about it is that um, my agent knew Hillary S.T. McLaughlin, who was over at Telepictures. I also knew her from Queen Latifah. And so there was a new position for Soup coming up at Tyra. So it was just like a perfect storm. Oh, wow. So you moved out to L.A. and took over Tyra? I moved out there and I was a, a supervising producer on the first season of Tyra. So that was how I got Ooh. to L.A. Ooh, that's a, that must have been like a dream come true. You know, it really, really was because... First of all, you know, when you think about Tyra, top model was like super hot. Right. And you're just like, oh my God, Tyra. And she's starting like a talk show and she wanted it to be about young women and fashion and self-esteem and all of that. Like all of that's like right up my alley. So I was really excited. And I remember I had a meeting with Tyra and Benny Medina. And mm-hmm. Benny Medina is like, you know, he was like Will Smith and J-Lo. And so. Yeah, he's a manager. Yeah, he's a manager. And, and so I think we were at, I don't know if it was the Waldorf, but it was like some fancy hotel. And I wore like the best of everything that I had on, right? Is this for the interview? Yes, it was okay. for the interview. So the interview with, was with Tyra and Benny. And then, you know, it was just the three of us. And we just had this whole conversation and it was great. It was just like one of those moments. And I'm like sipping, we're sipping tea or cocktail. I don't know. I don't know if we were having a cocktail, but in my <laughs> mind, we were. <laughs> it's very fancy. Yeah, it was fancy. Um, so yeah, so then that happened. And um, and then I moved to LA. And, um, and once I got to LA, it was just like, it was really crazy because it was like Groundhog's Day every day. I couldn't <laughs> believe how great the weather was. Because like, in New York, like the weather rules, right? right. Completely. Right? Yes. And so for I literally for the first six months, I was like, okay, is it gonna rain today? Right. <laughs> nothing. Like nothing happens. Isn't it weird uh, how your mindset shifts so much? Like that was me for the first few years I was here. And now if it rains like overnight, I think like the pool has overflowed. I'm so confused. I was like, did it rain? What the hell? Like rain completely shocks me. You know, it's just hilarious how accustomed you get when you don't think that you will. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Your life is so much more your own. It is. Um, So so how was the adjustment to LA, you know, just just coming from the Midwest and then from the East coast, how was your personal adjustment to living here other than the weather part, which is obviously amazing. Well, it's interesting. The personal adjustment wasn't as hard as, you know, one would think because all of the New York producers I knew were in LA and every, you know how you just kind of flow from coast to coast and your friends kind of always end up there and you're working all the time anyway. So it's not like, you know, you have to go out and figure out your neighborhood. (laughs) Right. That's true. Where were, where were you living when you moved here? Um, so when I 
initially moved to LA, I stayed at, what was that apartment complex? Called? Oh, the Oakwood? No, it was across from the Grove. Oh, I don't know the name of it, but I know where it is. Yeah, I can't remember right now, but. Is that where you guys filmed right over there? No, no. Um, let me see. I can't, it, it was, I think Oakwood was like the general name of it, okay. but I can't remember. It was like, they're really beautiful apartments, but they were like $3,500 a month, which was like 10,000 at yes, the time. That's I'm crazy. Like, that's even crazy yeah. now to me. <laughs> I know. I said, okay, listen, I have to get out of here. So, so I had to figure <laughs> that out. So the neighborhood that I lived in literally, you know, and still do is the area. Um, it's like by the Grove, um, in between the Beverly Center. It's called Beverly Grove. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I love a walking neighborhood and it reminds me of New York. Yeah. So I think that's what I, you know, even when I lived in, you know, the first time in New York, it's kind of like I lived in Park Slope and I lived in Clinton Hill. So I like, I love all the walking neighborhoods. Yeah. So let me ask you this in terms of Tyra, you know, you came from Queen Latifah, you mentioned had all of these talents and was obviously an entrepreneur and, and Tyra checks all of those boxes minus the musician part. She's, she's an, you know, she built an empire what are the things, what were the differences between them and how they ran their shows? And then what did you learn from Tyra? So I think the difference is Tyra was extremely hands-on. She was very involved in the show. Um, she was a producer on the show. And she basically had her finger on every aspect, whether it was what the, the guests were wearing or what was happening in the segment or how she wanted to come out. Like she was very much a producer. And I think with Queen Latifah, she was a lot younger um, in terms of she, Tyra was a little bit older and she had been doing top model for a long time. So she, she was a more experienced producer. And I think when Queen Latifah um, came into her show the first time, she had come from music, so she was making a transition. So it was a lot about her transition as a host. That was more the focus as opposed to her being engaged in the show. Hmm, interesting. Um, and so, you know, what I learned from Tyra, I mean, first of all, I learned about frugality. Like <laughs> that girl, she's cheap and she'll say it too. What I, what I really liked about her is that she was very present and she took control of her, her career. And she all, she was always trying to keep it fresh. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think I always thought that that had a lot to do one with just, you know, making sure that you stay in the game, but also coming from fashion, you always have to kind of reinvent yourself, whether it's, you know, new face, new hair, new clothing, every season, there's something new. Mm. And I think she brought that in energy to the show. Did she ever comment? I mean, you're a beautiful woman with great style. So I'm sure that she liked that, but did she ever say like, Hey, Evelyn, you know, you may want to think about black shoes with that outfit. Like, did she ever <laughs> make any suggestions, model-esque, model-esque suggestions? I wonder, like, I would feel so much pressure working for someone like her. You know what? I, I always thought <laughs> she was talking about me. Really? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Okay. But it always <laughs> felt like it in a way because okay. when she when she saw you, she saw takes you. takes you all in. 
yeah, she takes you in and you feel like, oh, I know, I know she's saying that I need to get my eyebrows done. I know right. she's Well, she's always, that. isn't she always looking at you head to toe also? That's like her thing. But she doesn't, no, but she does it like in a way where you don't see like very like micro, micro looks. Like, you know how some people can look at you from head to toe, like in yeah. three seconds she's and you got it don't all. even know they took it all in. Right. <laughs> That's her superpower. That is. And she's smart. Yeah. I mean, she's, very. she's really, really, really smart. So eventually you made your way away from the talk show world, right? You started doing different kinds of shows. So talk about that transition and what that was like. So one thing that I, I've always really tried to do is follow my curiosity. And when I follow my curiosity, I always end up in a new place and I learn something new. And so, you know, that's how I got to Banyan and that's how I got to Tyra. And I wanted to, you know, do more um, docu-series work. I didn't see, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of that on my resume at the time. I love to be in the field, but I wanted to, to, you know, start to do more long form kind of storytelling. And um, so then that's how I just started to kind of think about, okay, well, what can I do next? And so um, I, I worked at Bravo and um, I worked on, um, what was the show? It was a competition reality show, uh, Sheer Genius. Oh, the haircut, the hair salons. Yeah, which was a lot of fun because, you know, everybody was in a house and these, all the stylists were like talented, but like super crazy. And, you know, you had to stay up all night with them and they were like catty. And so I really enjoyed that, that show because you really got to work with real people who were super talented and it was important to them this opportunity. And so they really fought for it. And, and it was just, it was a great experience. I, I really enjoy it. And then Bravo was just like, that was fun in and of itself because um, you got to really see the, the process and the, the attention and the, to detail that goes into kind of creating a brand, you know, that, uh, goes from show to show to show. I thought I thought that was a really great lesson for me to see because a lot of times you're working on one show and you're doing many, many episodes, but to see how a network actually creates a brand and shows that connect together was a really valuable experience. That's such a great point. And Bravo especially is such a distinct brand and they're so good at like you say, carrying that across all their shows, you know what a Bravo show looks like, you know what to expect, even when it's a little unexpected. So that must have been interesting. So you actually worked for the network on that show, not for the production company? Um, what was it? Well, it was for the production company, um, but the network was very hands-on because when I was working on the show, um, we each were responsible for like I think four episodes. And so I was in the field with, you know, the network and, you know, the EP at the time. And so it, it was just really hands-on. And so I just really felt like I got to see that. And the, the EP 
Um, her name was Julie Laughlin. She's actually, she passed away oh. a few years, maybe four years ago, but she was the EP of that show. And, um, and she was great. She really, you know, took me under her wing. And, and so I was right there with her in terms of, you know, producing that show on the fly, because sometimes you like needed that result from that contestant and you had to produce them, not necessarily, you know, tell them what to say, so to speak, but you needed to get the result out of that moment. And she was fire when it came to that. So I just feel like I've been lucky to really work with a a lot of great producers that were just, you know, at the top of, of shows that were pivotal in the culture at a particular time. Mm -hmm. So we don't have time to get into all the shows because there's been a lot, but I do want to make sure we leave a nice chunk of time to talk about the present because what you were able to do. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you other than to talk to you was because, (laughs) you know, you've had an interesting career. I'm always interested, like you said, in people that follow their curiosity are able to reinvent themselves and pivot. And I think what you've been doing, I don't know how long it's been and how long you've been doing it, but these experiential, this producing and sort of this transition into wellness and how you've been able to bridge the worlds of kind of wellness and female entrepreneurship and this business has been super interesting. So talk a little bit about what inspired you to do that and then what that has looked like. So after, um, around 2013, actually, I was diagnosed with the early stage breast cancer. So I took some time off, um, still kind of working because, you know, producer, right. But I was also trying to figure out how do I kind of create more time and more balance for, things that I love, things that I want to do and, and kind of producing my life. You know what I mean? We spend a lot of time producing shows, but before we look up, time has passed and we haven't really done other things that we may want to do and that we've always been inspired to do. So I basically took a hobby, um, which was, you know, I was always crafty. And so I was like making, you know, whether it's pillows or body products or candles or whatever it was, um, I was always making things. And so I decided to kind of create a wellness brand while I was actually working in television, because once we came off of hiatus, the main thing we all did was go to a spa. You had to like, you know, decompress, (laughs) rejuvenate. So I would just make natural products in the whole nine yards. And then since I was in LA, I was just like, huh, how can I, I got to figure out how to make something out of this. So I connected with um, Unique, it was called Unique LA at the time, now it's Unique Markets. And I basically took everything that I knew and created a website and, you know, branding and I created In My Solitude LA. And in my solitude, because you have to kind of go into your solitude to heal, to, you know, relax and just to nourish your spirit. So I started to kind of create these products that I would sell like on the weekends or at the markets and things like that. And I just started to look at how, okay, this is kind of like a nice side hustle, right? And I found that it started to grow. 
And I started to basically work with different brands. I would, I literally took the things that I knew from doing, working in television, like when you need a guest or you're trying to like get a brand to give you product and all of that. I just literally apply those same skills in this, in just a different area, a different vertical, so to speak. And, and then I just started to little by little create opportunities where um, I could do something with a brand. I could create a workshop. Um, I got um, an artist residency at West Elm and I had this huge store where I was able to sell products and things, you know, that I was making, but I, I was just like, okay, well, I can't just stand here all day. Like, what am I going to do? Cause you know, retail is not for everyone. And I knew that, okay, what am I going to do? So I was like, well, I need to make classes or create content. And that's really Wait, where that what? started. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> hold on. The West Elm thing just blew my mind. It's like one of my favorite stores. So you, how did you get an artist in residency there? First of all, and what were you making? Well, I mean, it's interesting because when, when I was recovering from breast cancer, I needed to add something to my line. I, I was just recovering. I didn't have a whole lot to do. So I love candles and I just started, I started a candle line and I called it the journey candle collection. And I sell the candles on my website now. And, and it was all about how to move through obstacles, you know, how to re-envision yourself, how to find new goals and all of that. And so I created this candle line and I was, you know, selling it everywhere. And, and I just started to call up different stores and, you know, and say, hey, can I come in and do a pop-up? Can I sell this to your customers or whatever? To people, to network and the whole nine yards. And, and West Elm has this product, this, this program where they work with artists in the community. And they were opening a new store in Santa Monica and... And so I was just, and they needed, they wanted people who were able to come in and create an environment. And, and it's so funny. I always tell people when, you know, producers say, well, I don't know what else I can do or if, you know, how do I apply my skills? And it's like, we have so many skills that we don't even know that we have them. It's like, how many times have we decorated a set, right? I'm like, if I can decorate a set and, and build a set, I can, I can create an environment to sell products. And so that's basically, I worked with um, the visual manager in the store and we created a store. And then I'm like, okay, well, I need to create a reason for people to hang around. And that's when the content started. And so then what was that content? So initially I started um, showing people how to make candles, right? And then after a while, I was just like, okay, well, what else can I do? Because there, you know, after a while, I, I just felt like there was only so far I wanted to go myself <laughs> with making candles. Because after you make them, you got to figure out, okay, now I put color in them. Okay, now I put them in a, you know, a jar instead of a glass, you know, what else do I do? And so I said, well, I really want this to be a space where women can come and we can talk about our goals and we can figure out how to plan our what's next and, and evolve and tap into our dreams. And so that's when I said, okay, 
how about if I help women figure out how to turn their intentions and their goals and and execute them because as a producer, that's what we know how to do. We know how to execute things. And a lot of times women know how to, they, they have a lot of things that they wanna do, but they don't understand how to create a timeline or, or the next step or how to do it. You know what I mean? So that became a part of creating a workshop. And then I would tie things into it. I would tie in mantras. I would tie in journaling. I would tie in Reiki. I would tie in all of these things and then it just started to take off and I literally started traveling around and then word started to spread about my workshops. And I literally have been around the country doing them. I've done them for the military, for like Camp Pendleton. Wow. I mean, it, Are they all called the same thing? They're all called the Intention Candle Experience. And the thing that that's really great is, um, and I've done them in corporate settings and you know, um, and then, you know, brands like Athleta and, and, and Lorna Jane. But I think what translates across, you know, all levels is that everyone has a goal or an intention that they're not quite sure how to tap into or how to develop and expand and grow. And so that's the thing that, you know, I've been able to use as kind of like the through line to go to a corporation. So it's like, all of the different places have been like BeautyCon. Um, I did one at BeautyCon and there were like over two days, I think I did candles with 400 people. And I created an environment, they all came and sat down for a period of time and then they left and then they came back. And, and so it's just been a way for me to kind of be of service in a way in terms of sharing what I've learned from all of these women that I've worked with that have been so amazing and such high achievers. And I think the one thing that I have learned from all of them is to believe in your dreams, to take a risk and a chance on yourself to do it, regardless of what you think may be the outcome. You never know. Try, put it on paper, practice every day, and and you would be surprised what comes out of it and where you go from there. It's, it's been amazing. And it, it started from just a space of my own curiosity and trying to figure out, like, how can I use the skills I have to create something different in this particular time and space? Is that the biggest risk that you've ever taken, which is kind of pivoting in this direction to, to start doing this? Um, I think... It is a bit, it was a big risk because, you know, working in television and writing and all of those things, those things came naturally in the sense of they were skills that were developed over time. And I knew that they had value because that value had been affirmed, right? This was a, a brand new opportunity that I didn't necessarily come in with the skill set for. And so it was, it was a risk because a lot of times I find, and I don't know if it's true for a lot of producers, but because when we're working on these shows and other people on the outside are looking in and you're performing at a high level, sometimes you're afraid to fail and you're, try you're afraid to fail in front of others. And you don't want people to see you not uh, 
doing something at the highest level. So sometimes you cheat yourself by not starting because you're concerned about what your peers might think. And so I think for me, it was the idea of staying true to my philosophy of following my curiosity. I, I, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and no one is going to give me permission to do that. Right. That's something I have to decide that I want for myself and put myself out there and and take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves and use the skills that I have developed as a producer to grow. And and that's really that's been scary. Yeah, because it's kind of like when you're an entrepreneur, you are figuring it out. It's not like somebody else is, you know, you have to figure out how to get the check. It's not like you are waiting for the check. <laughs> well, let me ask you this because I'm very interested in entrepreneurship as well. And I am a devotee of Shark Tank. So, you know, on Shark Tank, obviously it's a little different because they have skin in the game, but if it's, if it's just not successful or if it's not taking off or if it's just flat out a bad idea, they usually kind of tell them like, listen, you're smart, but, like, I think you should just do something else, do some, do something different. I imagine that you meeting all these different kinds of people who are looking to reinvent themselves or looking to take a leap and looking to maybe change careers or whatever it is. I imagine not every idea that you hear you think is necessarily a good idea or that this particular person might be good for it or that it maybe it's a crowded marketplace. So how do you approach that? Like, how do you, if you feel deep down, like this is actually not going to work, do you still encourage that person? You know, like, how do you deal with something like that? Cause that would be super uncomfortable for me. I just know from people pitching me ideas that aren't good. That's always right. really hard to, you know, bust a pin in their dreams. Right. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I, I created a class um, that starts on the 16th of this month. And it's all about helping people turn a hobby or a passion into a new stream of income. Right. And so the way I look at it is that I encourage people to really do the inner work to figure out what they want and manage their expectations because that is really what happens is people just aren't even clear about what is actually required to make this thing happen. And so, you know, if you want to kind of take your hobby like I did and turn it into a business then you really have to think about how much time are you really willing to put into it? Um, what type of expertise do you have to be able to do it? Um, how much money do you have to really put into it? What, what expectation do you have to make money down the road? Do you, is this going to replace your income? You know what I mean? So I think a lot of times it's just really, getting people to, to understand how difficult it is and really figuring out, okay, are you willing to, to do this? Yeah. That's the part that you didn't brag about, which is that, you know, made me think like you've gotten all these amazing opportunities with Facebook and BeautyCon and all these things that you made that happen. I'm assuming you don't have some booking agent. You're a hustler. No, You're no. used to hustling as a producer and you made those opportunities happen. So that's a lot of work. Yeah. And, and if you don't make the opportunities happen, they don't happen, you know, it, it, and it's like, it's not, I mean, you know, I have a, my own, you know, spiritual practice, but I, 
I have to do the I think that thing about being an entrepreneur is that you, if you don't create that opportunity, if you don't send that letter, if you don't pick up that phone, um, you'll be sitting there waiting for something to happen. But I think that translates across the board. Like, I, I don't see this as being any different than it was when I'm producing a show or freelancing, trying to get the next thing. It's mm -hmm. like you built your reputation and people think of you, but you have to stay top of mind and you have to figure out your what's next. And, and then you get to a point in your career, if you want to do something different than what's offered to you, you have to create it yourself. Yep. You know what I mean? Or you won't, you, maybe you'll never be able to work, you know, like right now I would love to, you know, we talked about this before. I want to work on a film. I want to work in scripted. I'm writing an, a, I'm writing a black sci-fi novel right now. God because bless. if I don't do it, how will it, how will that happen? I can't wait for someone to decide that I'm the person like, you know, like back in the day when you're sitting at the, the soda fountain and somebody comes up and like, you're going to be a star. Like, no, <laughs> no, you have to figure out how to create that opportunity. And we're all writers or, or, you know, we have a way in which we can look inside ourselves and figure out what is it about me that has been marketable, that has gotten me this far. Okay. Now double down on that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah, I like it's not that. A new thing that you want to do that's going to make you money right away, but look at see and see what your strengths and skills are because there's somebody who doesn't have that. You yeah. know, which is why with the course that I came up with, it was kind of like, well, learning how to take a hobby and turn it into a stream of income into a business, that's a skill that I've learned. And so how can I share that with someone? In this time, when people are trying to figure out what do I do next when there's not, you know, when production shut down. Yeah, this is a crazy, crazy time. Who are your gurus? Like, who do you, what podcast do you listen to? What books are you reading? Like, who are, who are like the top two or three people that you learn from? Wow, I'm, I, th this period of time has just allowed me just to really like listen to everything. Um, I love podcasts. I love um, listening to Tim Ferriss. I knew it. Um, <laughs> because I love how he goes in. Like, and then you look up, you're like, how the hell did he have me listening to this podcast for two hours? <laughs> <laughs> I just lost two hours of my day. I know. So I, I like listening to him. Um, I like listening to um, Amanda Seals. Um, she's hysterical. She's on the not the view, the real. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I listened to her. Um, I listened to, what's it called? Um, how, how Success is Made. How I Built This? No, the it's, guy it's, Raz. How, it's How I Built This, that's one. And then the other one is How Success, how success Happens. Okay. Yeah, who's, that's really good. And they, they, um, I don't remember who does it, who hosts it, but it's basically... It, they talk to lots of entrepreneurs and they really get granular on their, their process. Um, I love listening to Goop, the far, the more far out it is. <laughs> what do you think of the series, the Netflix series? Did you watch it? Yes, I did. I, I loved every second of it. Like I know why people think it's just nuts. So, right. but I just, I, I, I like it. It's 
you know, I don't take it seriously. Yeah. You got to take it for what it is. I will say this about that series. I actually reached out to the DP because it looked visually so gorgeous. And yeah, I had to look up the DP. I reached out to her and we had some friends in common. I said, I don't know what I'm doing next, but you're shooting it because you're amazing. So, so so yeah, it's really good. And and I do love um, the way that they use the staff. They always, they just mm. look petrified. I, I just yeah. feel, I feel, I'm excited for them and I feel bad for them. <laughs> I know, me too. It was weird. It made me uncomfortable. But I, granted, I did not watch all the episodes and I did not watch the woman like having an orgasm before my eyes. I just couldn't go there. Okay. They did go far <laughs> with that one. I heard it was a little insane. It was. I, I, I couldn't. Now, I don't know if I would have wanted to be on set with that because they did full on with JJ, like exploration. I'm like, really? Wow. Wow. Okay. So tell us about your podcast. Oh, boy. So my podcast is brand new. It's called Built by a Boss. And I started it because there are just so many amazing women that are out here that are um, entrepreneurs and that are running companies that are founders and I wanted to hear their origin stories, but also their growth strategies. And that kind of ties into what I've been doing with um, the Intention Candle experience in terms of helping women grow. And so I think it's nice to be able to have mentors that, that are friends in your head. And I try to just talk to women that are interesting to me, because I figure if they're interesting to me, then when I talk to them, it'll be interesting to the viewer because, you know, your enthusiasm for each other kind of brings out interesting tidbits that you might not have gotten otherwise. Um, so I just finished my first season. Congrats. And, um, I need to listen I'm, to I'm it. Super, I'm super excited about it. Because, Who was your favorite guest? Wow. Um, well, it's so funny because some of them are friends. Like, you know, I've been talking to a lot of women Um, some that I know and some that I don't know. Um, But I think my favorite guest um, was a woman that I just talked to. Her name was, oh, I hate to say favorite because I don't mean favorite. They're all your favorites, but someone (laughs) that you really enjoyed. All my favorites. Um, (laughs) But I enjoyed, um, Fawn Weaver was my most recent, one of my most recent, recent guests. And she started this company um, called Uncle Nearest, which is basically, um, it's an homage to the man who worked, uh, who showed Jack Daniels how to create the formula for Jack Daniels whiskey. And he was a former slave and it was in Tennessee and she unearthed this story and created this brand in his honor. And what I loved about it is that, you know, before she, she did that, she worked, you know, she had a lot of different jobs kind of, you know, creating companies and doing PR and things like that. And then she came across this and, and she's built this incredible brand and just hearing her story um, and, and her, her give back, how um, they use proceeds. Um, they set aside proceeds for members of his family um, to go to college. And all they have to do is prove that, you know, they are, uh, you know, a part of his lineage and then they have to, you know, maintain a certain GPA and then, um, and then pay it forward. So. Wow. Love that. Okay. So it's called built by a boss. You can get it anywhere you get podcasts. Anywhere you get podcasts. It's called built by a boss. Great title. Um, 
So tell us, that's, I love that title. Tell us where we can find you so that if I want to book you for a retreat or do you do like individual life coaching as well? Yeah. So, so on my website, in my solitudela.com. Um, Was there I another have, in my solitude? Is that why you had to put LA on it? Um, <laughs> you know what? I, at the time when I did that, it was all about branding where you were. Got it. <laughs> like, can't you be anywhere in your solitude? It was like in my solitude, LA. Like right. that was the epicenter. <laughs> and um, and so then by the time I was just like, well, you can go other places. Right. Who knew, by the way, that you would have the perfect website title for our times at the moment? That's Girl, hilarious. The perfect one, right? <laughs> And, you know, because I've always been in my solitude, so it just made sense for me. I, I have always been like doing yoga or right. something like that. <laughs> just, so that was always a part of it. But yeah, so that's where it's like the candle line is. And that's where I do um, where you can find out about um, the intention candle experience. I, right now, I do it online as well. And that's kind of cool where if you wanted to do something where you had 12 girlfriends and you wanted to do the workshop together via Zoom, I send you the candle kit with all of the things and you have journals and all of those things already. And then I take you through the workshop and you can do it you know, at home with your friends. And that's something great to do during the quarantine. And then I do it for companies. Um, I do it for small groups. I've done it for birthday parties. It just depends on what the situation is, but Okay. Question though. Can you do it without making the candle or is the candle have to be a part of it? So I do, I do the workshop a couple of ways. I do it. So you just go through the process of intention and goal setting and we do mantras and we do Reiki and a meditation and then you can light your candle. So that's one way of doing it. The other way that you could do it is if you have a candle already, I do something called love, luck, and grace. And it's kind of like something I send you to kind of help you bring more love in your life and all of that love, grace. And, and so that's part of the candle making process, but the items that I send you, you can kind of put on top of a candle you already have, or I send you um, a kit where you can actually um, make the candle yourself at home. So you could do it either way. Okay. Good to know. Just cause I'm not really a candle maker, but you never know. <laughs> I'm you're a journaler. And exactly. You're a writer, so. I do like to journal. Well, this has been so great. I can't wait. I now I really want to see you in person when this is all over. Cause I feel like it's been too long and it's so nice to connect with you. And I'm really proud of you. I think it's so cool what you're doing and mm-hmm. everyone should check out Evelyn and her website and everything she's doing and book her for your zoom or in-person retreats when that's possible. Take care of yourself. Thank you. You do the same. I'm looking forward to us being able to like walk the streets of LA again. Yes. Go for a hike. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I'm totally there. Oh, good. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing this.